0: um you <coughs> Deem, we Jews, we believe in blessings. We believe in blessings and their continuous ability to change the world. So I'd like with your permission to start with a blessing, just like we always do. Someone once came up to the Rebbe of Kotsk, to the Kotsk Rebbe, and asked to see his show. He had heard a lot about it and he wanted to see it for himself. So the Kotskil said, fine, come tomorrow. The next day, this person came to the shoal, to the synagogue. He took one look to the left, one look to the right and ran back to the kotzker, completely horrified. Rebbe, Rebbe, what's going on in your shul? What's going on there? In one corner, someone threw off his shoes. In another corner, someone threw off his uh, shirt. And there were bags thrown all over and more shoes. Maze, where's your respect? Is this what you call a shul? So the kotzker listened and said, I don't know if this is what you call a shul." But I know that this is what I call a home. And I want everyone here to feel, to feel at home. What does, it mean? what does it mean to be at home? What does, it, what does it really mean to be at home? I'm assuming, you'll all agree with me, that the Kotzkir here is not uh, inviting us to make a balagan, a mess, intentionally, just so we could feel at home. Right? Even though some people would have liked that. Some of my children would have been very happy. There are people who are more comfortable when there's a sense of Balagan, but it's obviously not what he's saying. He's say, saying something much deeper. What does it mean to be to be at home? So anyone who's learned a little bit of chasidut knows that being at home is not just about being in a place that in it, I can really be myself, which is a lot already, I think. But being at home is really about being in a place that from it, I can actually reach beyond myself, beyond the way I recognize myself beyond my recognizable borders, touching upon my my uh, infiniteness, the place of eternity in me. Meaning if I have that contact, that touch with what is beyond me, uh, for instance, in the relationship with my soulmate, in my relationship with my inner world, with the creative part in me, Ken, the, the mayana novea, um, I would say the flowing fountain uh, within me, anything or any anything or anyone that I'm trying to be at home with. If I have that contact, that touch, I am a little, I am in a state of home, okay, in a state of bayit. And if I don't have that contact with what is beyond me, for instance, in the relationship with my soulmate, with my inner world, with my maya Nova, the creative uh, fountain within me, if I don't have that, okay, if I don't have that contact, I'm a little bit in a state of galut, of exile. Being at home, in the sense, as being in a place where I can really, really, really take my shoes off. Only after I take off my shoes, meaning rid myself of my coverings, my levushim, really uh, touching the ground of who I am, only then I can actually release and fly. Then I don't need shoes when I'm at that point. Only after I build my four walls, I can actually go beyond them. Only after I'm at home with myself, I can actually go beyond beyond myself. This potential, this ability to go beyond this state of being, this state of consciousness. And Chasidut, as I understand it, is called Beit, Home. And that is the place, I think, that the Kotzkel was trying to bring his students into. And it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a Balagan. It wasn't just a mess. So I want to um, I bless us. You remember we started <laughs> with a blessing. I want to bless us that During this Chag, what's left of it, we not only uh, experience or have contact, even uh, some contact, a small contact with the notion of home as we're explaining it and as we will explain it uh, further on, but that we feel at home in this understanding of home. That we invite it in, that we make room for it. Uh, Good things happen, I think, when we expand our understanding of home. Uh, so I bless us first to be at home, in our home. Say amen. amen. <laughs> and I want to say, uh, say that besides the fact that uh, I personally am not at home now <laughs> with my family, which is very, very strange, not so uh, easy for me, I have to say. I've never been out of home on Hanukkah. Um, I, I just uh, want to say that there's something, like Wendy said, very, very special about teaching about Hanukkah on Hanukkah, on the Hague itself, in itself, that's very special for me, and I just have to expand on what Wendy said. I've, I've been teaching here at Drisha for many, many years, I think like 19 years altogether, when we lived here also years ago. The last 14 years, I think mostly in the summers, very connected to this place, to this home, and the last two years I was able to uh, stretch my stay also on. Uh, also on Tisha B'Av, like Wendy said. And we've been giving a uh, limud here, uh, Wendy and other people, and I too, during the day of the fast. And what we've been doing, B'emet, <coughs> is learning every year different uh, suggestions, ideas, possibilities from the world of Hasidut on how to live with brokenness, the month of Av being the month of uh, where we look at brokenness in the eye. And we've been learning every year, adding more options on how to live with brokenness every year during the month of July, have these theological options. Uh, why am I telling you this? Because this last year Wendy heard from me and other people here and the staff heard from me that with all the intense learning that we've been doing here, uh, I've been feeling like I'm the agent of brokenness, you know, like the messenger of darkness coming in from Dafka during this time and teaching so intensely about this period. Uh, And last summer, in our learning, I invited everyone to come to Yerushalayim to learn with us on Chanukah, on Sukkot, on on Tu Bishvat, you know, on other occasions that are not of, you know, uh, July occasions. Uh, So you you guys didn't come to Yerushalayim, but I came from Yerushalayim here. And uh, I have to say that from my point of view, it's not just very special to be learning Hanukkah on Hanukkah, but I want to say that... um, I feel like it can't be taken for granted that this Chag exists. Meaning, thank God we have an invitation every year to come in contact with this element called light. It can't be taken for granted. Again, I find that in times of darkness, like the season that we're in, the season of winter, this knowledge in itself, this reality of Hanukkah, personally makes me want to dance Hora in the street. Okay? Thank God we have an ability to connect to light. Uh, thank God we have an, an ability or I would say that we believe in our ability to connect to light. That we believe in it. So I want to bless us also that the light that we shine in itself be a a publicizing of the miracle. can okay? A spreading of the miracle. Of the fact that we can shine. That it is possible to shine. That there is such a thing as light. Okay? We should be this experience this element of this individual experience of and through that make less of the darkness that exists in the world. So say Amen again. Okay, so now we're going to take two steps uh, back. So first I want to say, for those who have never learned Hasidut here, that every unit, every closed unit that appears in the world of Hasidic texts is called a Torah, what we call in English a teaching. As far as I know, there's no other discipline in the world of Jewish texts that calls its units Torah, Right? We have sugi... I'm sorry. There's no other discipline that calls its units Torah. It's closed units in Chasit Torah. We have Mishnah, we have sugiyah, we have Piska, we have gemara, we have pasuk, we have perek, we have chelek we have all kinds of names that we name our units, Ken, in different disciplines in the Jewish library. No other discipline, as far as I know, calls its units Torah. Um, to me, this always made complete sense. Okay? Torah, its root is yud reish the same root as the word Horaa, instruction, direction, uh, passing on, okay? the same root as the word Moreh, a teacher. The idea being very clear, if you learn a Torah, a teaching, and you don't feel like you've learned the Horaa, an instruction, a direction, if you don't feel like it took you a step forward, uh, you don't have to take that step, obviously, but potentially it should be there for you. If you don't have that, then something in the learning, I dare dare say, is a little bit off. In general, in Chassidut, in this sense, Chassidut is so, so connected to life. And everything we read about, whether it's about the Avot, geographical places, kingdoms, events of nature, whatever it is, it is always, always just as much about us as it is about them. In that sense, experiencing the blurring of lines is not a bad thing it's actually a good thing. It's an invitation that this discipline invites us to do, uh, to blur the lines, to find ourselves in the sources, to find the sources uh, in us. Now I want to give a few words of background and then we'll enter our limud. So every Chag, every Zman, according to our approach in Chasidud revolves around a specific mental theme through, through which we are supposed to experience the Chag and complete some kind of internal process. We're muzmanim, we're invited, Required actually by every Zman, every Chag, to approach this theme and undo uh, some internal knot that's connected essentially to that specific Chag and finds its expression in all the different uh, aspects of the Chag, not just the Hasidic uh, aspect, if you will, but all aspects the Minagim of the Chag, the Ruach of the Chag, the Mekorot on the Chag, um, all the different things related to the Chag. Um, I know what I said is sort of abstract. I want to give a few examples and then we'll enter uh, our learning. Yom Kippur, for instance, is all about guilt, not forgiveness, as is traditionally seen, but guilt. On Yom Kippur, we're invited to approach this knot, guilt, this heavy knot that we all carry and try to work through it. Uh, Incredible, incredible teachings, life-changing, I think. Uh, Sukkot, for instance, deals with bitachon, with muganut, with safety, with security, confidence, it's actually the Chag that deals with fears, fears and anxieties. How do we feel safe in a space that has vichora, supposedly no protection, okay, the sukkah? Um, another aspect of the Chag is the issue of haganah, is safety, protection. Slicha, uh, uh, another aspect, yes, is the aspect of haganah, of protection, of safety. I, I'm sorry, is our relationship to our past, ushpizin, Can. Okay? Our parents, our original parents of Rah, Tzach, David, etc., up to our uh, parents who birthed us. Right? We invite them into our not necessarily safe spaces. This is talked about a lot in Hasidut, This idea of Haganah, not always so simple. Right? That's Sukkot, Simchat Torah, for instance, deals with intimacy. On Simchat Torah, we clarify again through all the specific issues of the Chag uh, what is intimacy, what is contact, physical too, and we hold on tightly to the Torah, what is the essence of an exclusive relationship after Sukkot, that is for all the nations, right? The 70 bulls that are sacrificed in the temple, we go down to one-on-one. Intimacy, Tubishvat for instance, deals with change, change as a sign of love. Dafka love, or I would say love is the ability to change for the sake of someone else. This is a very deep learning that we learn from nature itself. Uh, on Tubishvat, we're not only invited to observe nature, we're invited to clarify the nature of nature. Very, very special teachings. Tisha uh, B'Av, for instance, the ninth of Av deals with our attempt to cope with existential disappointment. Uh, the destruction of the temple, representing not only the destruction of the building, of course, but the destruction of the idea that things can be perfect. Very deep Torot. Purim, two more examples. Purim deals with anger. On Purim, we're invited to approach our anger, deal with it, work through it, uh, hopefully, of course, wipe it out. Can all the issues of Purim, costumes, drinking, amalek, etc., all deal with this issue of uh, anger. Pesach deals with intuition, intuition and authenticity, which is the real meaning of freedom. Uh, The coming out of Egypt, I'm exposing on Pesach my authenticity, my purified uh, intuition. I won't get into it now. Shavuot is all about integration, connecting all the different parts of my being and taking them with me to Hal Sinai, to Mount Sinai, etc., um, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So like I said before, throughout the year we are muzmanim, we are invited to embark on a very deep internal journey from chag to chag, from zman to zman, from zimun to zimun, in a very clear and set order. kol zman each time and its calling, kol zman shelo, each time and its opportunity time invites opportunity they're all the same root in Hebrew okay so what is Chanukah all about so Chanukah is the Chag that we deal with the issue of home what it means to be at home what is home all of Chanukah revolves around this issue all the Halachot in the Hasidic eye deal with this up to the finest detail uh, clarifying what is home in general and what is home for me Now, I want to say that uh, usually when we learn here, we start, we delve immediately into the Hasidic texts. Today, I don't want to do that. I want to start, Dafka, with Halakha. There's a tendency in our world sometimes to see things in a very dichotomous way, like in this context, Halakha here, Hasidut there. I think there's a lot of missing out when you go with that uh, way of thinking. we know that deep down, when you peel layers, everything really connects. Hasidut uh, is definitely based very much on halakha, too. So I want to break that dichotomy a little bit today. We're going to start with halakha. Uh, you have your uh, sources. I just want to say that the first page, I know this looks like a mess, a balagan of the Kotzker, but it's actually very organized. Uh, the first page is Hebrew-English together. This is also the only page that uh, needs to go into Gniza. Um, and after the third source, which is Tilim, everything is uh, cut up to Hebrew here and English here. This is, don't get alarmed, this is for the three meetings that we'll have. I know it's a lot. Hopefully we'll cover all this during our three meetings. Uh, okay, so Khan and I need a volunteer to read today. Anyone? Toda, what's your name? Naomi. Naomi, Toda. Um, we're connected, Naomi and Ruth. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, so Chanukah is the chag of home. Chanukah is actually the only chag that requires a home, uh, that needs a home in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Chanukah. You cannot keep the mitzvah of Chanukah without connection to the idea of home, or the idea of home. Think about it. Even Sukkot, for instance, uh, halachically does not require to go out of your own home it, from your bet keva. To a private, to your own bet arai, right? How do you say arai? Temporary. Temporary home. Uh, I could be doing a trip with my kids, you know, in the Vadi somewhere, and everyone's hungry. We could put up a sukkah, everyone eats, finish it, we finish eating, we take down the sukkah and continue on. There's no need to do it, dafka, in connection to my own home. Uh, Chanukah is. Chanukah is the only chag that requires to be connected to your own home. And in the few pages that deal with Chanukah and the Gemara, in Masechet Shabbat, and by the way, I just want to say, the Chanukah is the longest Chag of the year. There's no other Chag as long as Chanukah, right? Pesach and Sukkot are seven days. Uh, and how many pages are in the Gemara Chanukah? Does anyone know? Yeah, the Koshi. Yeah, like a page and a half, two. Mamash, nothing. Uh, this is very surprising. If you think of all the other Chagim that are even one day, that have whole Masechetot named for them, right? Like uh, Yoma, we have Sachim, we have Sukkah. We have Megillah for another chag. That's the chag the Rabbanan. We're already hinted here, definitely in the Hasidic eye, that, on, that in Chanukah, Rava nistar alagalu, the hidden is greater than the revealed. B'chol Chanukah, we'll see is the chag of Torah shabbalpeh, of oral Torah, meaning we don't only go based on what we see in the eye. We're going to be talking about that later. So, anyways, in the few pages that deal with Chanukah and the Gemara. Um, we read this line. Naomi, if you can read just the underlined part in Hebrew of the first source. <laughs> Don't look at the English because it's not correct, I think, the translation. It's a perush but it doesn't, it's not what it actually says. I just noticed this last night. Mitzvat Chanukah, the mitzvah of Chanukah, ner, candle, person, and his home. This is grammatically, this is a very strange line. It doesn't flow, I have to say, in Hebrew. There's a title, right? Ma What's the mitzvah of Chanukah? And then three subtitles, I would say, with a very strange uh, wording. It would have been more, I think, logical to say, or, ner, ish, like noun, 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 right? Candle, person, home. Or, which makes more sense to say what uh, the English does here already, and that's to say, Nail a candle, for a person and his home or for a person and his family, right? beito is ishto, mishpachto, his wife, his family. Why is there an emphasis on his home, on this person's home? Do different people have different homes? Batim shonim, what turns a place into a home, into a bite of this person? the bite of this person. What turns a place into a home? In general. So, Hanukkah is the chag of the clarification what turns a place into a home, uh, into Beito, his home, each one of our own uh, homes. Now, I want to say that it would have been lovely if we could have uh, dedicated an hour just to learn the halachot between the halachot that deal with the relationship between light and candles and home. It's very interesting. Uh, we don't have the luxury to do that. So we're going to be reading a halacha already taking on uh, a Hasidic uh, eye. Kacha, reading it with Hasidic eyes. I would say sort of like a meta-halachic reading or more exactly halacha, hasidit, halacha with Hasidic eyes. Uh, what are the parameters that, um, that um, establish what is a home? According to Halacha, what we're going to be doing, we're going to have two two Chivruta times uh, today. The first one, seven to ten minutes, just a, a, a taste, and later we'll have a 45-minute learning. I just want uh, um, I want you all to look at the second source. We'll do this very quickly with your chevrutah, with whoever you're sitting with uh, from the Kitzur Shulchan Aruch. Read the the piska here from Kitzur Shulchan Aruch and uh, try and locate from the halacha here, what are the two? There are two p'hinot here, two um, aspects, uh, parameters that um, signify what makes a place into a home. So I'd like you to try and locate them and try, after you've located them, to try and fly and try and understand it with a Hasidic eye. What do these things mean? Why are these things that are chosen halakhically to turn a place into a home? So we'll take seven to 10 minutes okay just uh, pair with whoever you are. yeah okay so let, uh, let's let's uh, gather and so like I said before we're gonna have another kavuta time more. Like a heavier one with a longer period, I think 45 minutes, louder. Eh, fine? Okay. Yofi. Um, so, uh, two, who wants to say? The two The two parameters that they located in the salaja. What makes a place into a home? Just your name? Diane. Diane.
1: You say the in
0: But what makes that designated place into your designated place? The fact that you say brachot? Right. Mm. We'll talk about that. It's actually, Reb Nachman speaks about that a lot. He has a beautiful teaching on how, well, I, I don't want to get into it. It's okay. going to tempt me to, yeah, just your name? My name is Rachel. Rachel. So one is a place you pay for. That's a require that's what makes a place into a home, a place you pay for, yeah. Mm-hmm. Can just your nail? Woohoo in the back. Uh, Michael, Michael up. Um. So, I, so it's not exactly true halachically, but it's a direction we're going to go in. Why is it not exactly sh- why is it not exactly true halachically? The wife is not a, a, a prina of what makes a place into a home. It's more a sociological uh, understanding. The wife was always at home at the time of, uh, that this halacha was said. So you think of beito means ishto mishpachto, right? Is the wife the family? Meaning halachically, like if, if a person's wife goes. I don't know, to a seminar in the Nevada desert, it's not like the man, his, the husband has to go there in order to light Hanukkah candles. He can still light at home and he'll, he'll be yotze, right? So it's, it's not true halachically. It's true sociologically, I would say, but it's related to this thing of relationship. And I want to explain that the second... Anyone else want to say? Yeah? I think it's where you could,
2: like, allow yourself the opportunity to be transformed because you
0: engage with another. And that's put very nicely. The, the, the technical uh, characterization is what? What makes that possible? Halachically, again? It's the place you sleep in. These are two aspects in halacha, the place you pay for and the place you sleep in. Two uh, parameters. Uh, the place you pay for. So it's clear that you have, owner, if you have ownership of a place or you pay... Rent for that place. Halachically, that is your place. But a person who is not in his home and wants to light Hanukkah candles, what does he have to do halachically in order to be allowed to light candles where he is? Right. He has to give a, a token, a pootah, a coin, something that will, it's as if to participate in the expense of balabite of the owner of the home, and that what allows him. Uh, that's what allows him to take part, to, to be more at home. Now, what do we learn from this about what it means to be at home? Now. Put on the uh, Hasidic uh, glasses. What could this mean? Name? Just your name before? You, yeah? Um, um, ah, Naomi. Licha, um, Lacha. That you have to put, like, you can invest something yeah. So, like, you can pay for it financially, but supposedly, like, if it's, if it's somewhere in the police, then it's some place where you feel comfortable and
3: you like, are more emotionally connected to
0: so, Excellent. So we're going to do a drash here based on Reb Nachman of Bresla. The truth is it's a classic reading in Chasidut. You find this in many uh, different Rebbe's who talk about uh, money. Every place that has in it a request for payment, it is read as payment and longing, in desire. Again, kesef comes from the word kisufim, longing, desiring, wanting to be part of something, right? Nikhsefah v'gam kaltah Sufim, a giving in uh, longing. How much do you really want it, right? The the money here, the actual uh, money, is only a representation. It's a concrete representation of something that you give of yourself. It's your participation. And like um, Rachel said, it, it, it obviously brings around, it brings with it responsibility, involvement, uh, being present, right? Uh, in Hebrew, you know, it's not for no reason that kesef is called damim. I don't know how you say damim in English. What? Well, first, literally, blood, uh, like blood. It's not, <laughs> it's not, uh, I don't want to get into this whole thing, but kinyan is actually a very, is a very strong representation of uh, the deepest kind of connection. that can That's possible in, in our tradition. I don't want to get into that, but... Uh, But this is, um, but so far we have one characterization of home. Home is a place that in it you give something of yourself. You have an internal inside connection to this place. You connect to it by giving something of yourself, by giving of yourself. Again, that's the first uh, characterization of what makes a place into a home. The second one, a place that you sleep in. So you're supposed to be lighting, a person's supposed to be lighting candles in the place where they sleep. If you are not in your home, under certain conditions and I, I don't want to get into the whole halakhic uh, discussion here uh, you light where you are but you are supposed to be lighting where you sleep okay? and there are all these uh, um, tnaim how do you say tnaim um, conditions on how to do this uh, halachically. again I don't want to get into the whole halacha thing uh, but what do we learn from here about what it means to be at home the fact that you need to sleep in this place you actually said it some of you What's the sleep? Why is this? Again, With Hasidic uh, eyes? Yaffe, more. Yeah? You're, you're more Yefeh, excellent. Excellent. More. Yeah? Yaffe, excellent. Excellent. Yeah? Dream. Dream. Yeah? Yaffe, very good. So all that, mamashe. So I want to say, first of all, Yeah? Yes, that sleep, uh, sleeping in a place is a place that allows you to be vulnerable. It allows you to be renewed. It allows you to um, dream. We're gonna talk about all these things. Um, so there's a lot, a lot to say about sleep in the world of Hasidut. Sleep and what it actually allows, what it invites, right? Dreams, prophecy, uh, what? Commitment. Commitment, yifeh. We're gonna talk about that also. All the different, I just want to say, all the different Parashiyot Shavua that we read in the month of Kislev, we just enter Tevet, but all the Parashiyot Shavua are all, of course, in, Hasidic, uh, in the Hasidic reading, are totally Hanukkah teachings. All the Parashiyot deal with dreams. Uh, dreaming is the element of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the Chag of dreams, the Chag of Halomot. Um, this starts already with the Vayetze, with Yaakov, and the ladder. Memash, we are beginning to enter the realm of Chanukah, the realm of dreams. I want to bring up one point, and I just have to uh, explain it before we uh, um, get into it. You know, in the world of Hasidut, there are many different uh, models, uh, set models, that lean on the world of Kabbalah. One of them is the model of the significance of the months of the year in the Hebrew calendar, Chochah Each one of the months of the year has a unique identity a special belonging, a special essence that's connected only to it, to this specific month. Each month, for instance, is associated with a certain combination of the letters of uh, the name of God, of Shem Havaya. Each month, for instance, is associated, is associated with uh, a certain um, sense or a bodily function, again, with a certain tikkun, um, with a certain fixing. The month of Kislev is the fixing of sleep, which we'll be talking about today, and the fixing of the eyes, bilvad. Okay? What do we look at or how do we choose to see? Let's examine what we look at or how we see what we look at. Okay? And we're going to be talking about that at the end, I think, of uh, tomorrow's uh, learning and on Thursday. Um, each month is associated, for instance, with one of the 12 tribes. Okay? The month of Kislev is the month of Binyamin who's actually the only son that was born in Eretz Israel? just like Chanukah, It's the only Chag that happened in Eretz Israel. If you think about it, not in Shushan and not in the desert and not on Mount Sinai and not in Egypt, but, he, but in Eretz Israel. The one who actually writes about this in great detail is Labnei Sashar, Reb Tzviel Menach Shapira, whom we're going to read. We're going to read two teachings of his. Um, he deals with this beautifully. So another one of the characterizations of the month is that each month is associated with one Hebrew letter. And the Hebrew letter of the month of Kislev is the letter Samech. Samech, eh, himlich ot Samech beshenah, as it says in Sefer Yetzira. Sefer Yetzira is one of our most ancient esoteric, eh, mystical eh, writings. Eh, Sefer Yetzira. So in Sefer Yetzira, hey tet, Samech. The letter Samech is associated with sleep. The letter Samech is associated with a cyclical motion, an unending motion an eternal uh, circle, machzori, Mitri and sofi of dark, darkness and light, darkness and light, darkness and light, awakened state, sleep, awakened state, sleep. Okay? It's the unending circle of the letter Samech. From here we learn another thing of what this Samech uh, allows. The Samech is like someone who embraces. It's like someone who hugs. The month, the embrace or the hug Of the month of Kislev is not like any other embrace of the year. And I need two volunteers. Do you mind getting up for a second? The two of you? I just want to ask you if you could hug each other. I just want to. Okay, freeze. Wait. Okay, so this is actually a real hug of Chodesh Kislev. (laughs) Turn around for a second. Just, no, continue, but just. (laughs) Yeah? So everyone, here, come out here.
3: Oh, great. That's (laughs) why. That's (laughs) why it's a real real hug. Wow.
0: Okay, so this is not a hug of Chodesh Kislev, but this is... Wait, turn around. So everyone sees it like that. Yeah. Freeze. So that's a, this is a hug of Chodesh Kislev. It's the last time that you're friends. It's... A, thank you. So, so, I, wanna, so I, wanna, I want to... So uh, I want to... Uh, I want to explain this, that the, um, the letter Samech is like someone who hugs, or to put it differently, like someone who, who picks up, who holds you from any fall uh, that's possible. Samech comes from the pasuk uh, to hold those that are fallen. Um, I would say in Hebrew, I can rely, I can hold on to the samech, meaning lean on it, lean on the samech. you your Proximity, your closeness. I'm, I'm speaking now in the feminine, but it works both ways, obviously, I'm just because I'm a woman. But, it, you know, it's male or female, k'amuvan. ha your samechiyut, ken? Your to me is what allows me um, to lismoch alecha, to rely on you, ken? Okay? To lean on you, ken? Okay? Uh, to be a samich for someone is actually to allow the other person to let go, to sleep, in a way. Right? with the knowledge that he's being held. Now, because the samech is endless, it's eternal, it never ends, it has no beginning and no end, there's also no considerations of beginning or end connected to it. Right? There's no fear connected to the letter samech. Will it happen, this embrace? Or when it happens, will it suddenly stop? That doesn't go into the picture with the kislev uh, form of embracing, the kislev form of hugs. There's no... Uh, considerations like this associated with it. I am samuch uvatuah basamech. I am completely samuch how do you say? Certain. I am completely certain. I completely rely on the samich. I actually made a picture and I forgot. Ta-da! So you see? <laughs> I want to say that in real life no one looks like this. We're all, you know, like an ameba going in all directions. This is like a very yucky kind of samich existence. <laughs> But the idea is this, that it never ends. This is the darkness in me, the state of sleep. Sleep is a metaphor for being in a state of darkness, right? It goes into the lighter part of me, just as the lighter part of me goes into the darkness. It is a, it's a, um, it's like, um, how do you say, like an electrical circuit, right, never ends. You could be on this side of it, you could be on this side of it, you can be on this side of it, mamash on the crossroad, right, between your darkness and your light, between your sleep and your awakened state, but you're always somewhere on this samych. Samych is, is the letter of Chodesh Kislev, it's the letter of Chanukah. Um, according to Reble Bale Aiger, I just want to say, it was like Talmud uh, Muvak, he's a top student of the Ishbitzel. This is the reason that we sanctify in the chuppah, that we sanctify with a ring. Because the ring is the letter Samech, okay? uh, we 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 do Kiddush with the Samech, mikachim beSamech. I want to say that for all for all kinds of reasons, Chanukah is not just the Yom Tov of the bait of the home, but it's the Yom Tov of shloma B'ayit, of peace in the in the home. This is connected directly to the terrible decree that the Greeks um, decreed in the time of the Maccabim, right? We know of all the horrible decrees that you can't circumcise the boys, and you can't learn Torah, and you can't this, and you can't that. There's one decree that, thank God, we didn't learn in kindergarten, thank God, and that's the horrible, horrible decree that that a couple, after their wedding, a man and woman who get married, the first night, immediately after the wedding, she's taken by force to the Greek officer, and is forced to be with him, which is... Horrible. This is written, it's in the uh, Gemara, in Masichet Ketubot. Not the only time, by the way, in our history when that happened. Right? It says, Tiba'el uh, lehegmon Terrible. Um, but we really learn from this that the Greeks not only wanted to shatter the idea of the home, the temple, but to shatter in general the idea of home, personal home, right? Any marriage that begins in this kind of way, obviously, is not a normative... Uh, situation, right? It's horrific. So Hanukkah is really also the chag of the tikkun of the home on that level, too. I remember hearing from um, my teacher, from Reb Shlomo, from Rav Karlibach, that in a certain sense, this is actually the highest moment between a a couple, between two. Not when they're speaking highly, being in a spiritual uh, place and speaking very highly spiritually, uh, but just when they are sleeping next to each other. When they're lying down uh, next to each other, sleeping, right? I'm going back to the letter Samech, Samech Why? Because each one of us has um, a soul, right, on the Shema, that with God's help is awake in all our hours of uh, awakeness, right? And here, in the time of sleep, our soul is not awake. Our soul is not up, it's not shining. That's the truth, right? And during the time of sleep, is manashena, hanisha shena, the soul is asleep. Um, it's not in chayut. It's not. It's not connected to its life force. It doesn't have its vitality. It's not. It's not alive. Like we say in uh, in the morning, neshamot lifgarim right? We thank God for bringing back uh, our bringing back uh, the soul to. There's not a nice way to say it, like the dead bodies, can? which is the, what happens every morning. Meaning. Again, this is what happens here. That's physically, but we're talking metaphorically here. When we are in a state of sleep, we are in a form of death. So I remember learning many times from, uh, from Shlomo, hearing from him, that, that in a way, the biggest, I would say, test between a man and his wife is how close are you to each other, how much how much are you relying and can be relied on, uh, meaning become the letter Samech for each other, Dafka when you're sleeping, again, When your soul is not shining, when your soul is not awake, again, When you, you're sleeping maybe many, many years, a long, long time, maybe. We know that could happen. We could be in a state of sleep, in the, this state, again, of darkness, a very, very long time, maybe. How, uh, how um, right, in a state of a form of, of death, Obviously, not physical death, but death in the sense that we're speaking in the Hasidic understanding. Can I lismoch uh, alecha? Can I rely on you? Can I fall asleep next to you? Again, who will be the letter Samech for me? I want to. I want to read with you. Actually, I want to send you back to the chiburot. I want. I want you to read two really, really beautiful teachings. Uh, the first one is just incredible. I think a very, very moving uh, teaching. Um, we're going to take, I think, 45 minutes and then we'll see how you're doing and we'll assess then uh, source number four and source number five. These you have in your English uh, section also. Uh, I'll just explain. Uh, source number four is Repinchas um, It's from the 18th century. He was born in 1726 and he died in 1791 from a Lita'i uh, uh, scholarly family. His father met the Baal Shem Tov. He was a student, a close student of the Baal Shem Tov. So we're talking here first generation of uh, first, second generation. His father met the Baal Shem Tov, gone completely swept off his feet, as most people did when they met the Baal Shem Tov. And uh, the family became a, a Baal Shem Tov family, followers of uh, the Besht. Um, and Repilhas, this is actually an unusual Kuntres that I'm bringing this from, um, because he, he didn't write it, but his students collected his thoughts while he was still alive and put it together when he was still alive, which is quite unusual for Hasidic uh, books. Either they wrote or their students wrote in their name. Uh, so we're not gonna read the whole Torah. We're gonna read the first part of it. I just want, um, um, I want you, when you read it, to try and, he talks here about this aspect of sleep I want you to try and uh, read it slowly. I want you to try and uh, understand, first of all, what is he saying here? And what is his radical chidush? He has here an unbelievable chidush, I think. Uh, And how does it connect to Hanukkah? That's the first uh, mission. It's a beautiful Torah. And uh, when you finish with uh, Repinchas, go on to the next one, that's five. It's a much lighter, easier uh, teaching Torah to read. It's Reb Nachman, actually in the name of Reb... It's Reb Nathan in the name of Reb Nachman from Sikhotaran. And he'll complete our dealing with the idea of uh, sleep. Um, okay, so what time is it now? It's 11.05. Let's take... Uh, we'll start with 40 minutes and see how it works. So, yalla. you <laughs> Yofi. I just want to say there are a few tawiyot uh, Um How do you say tawiyot It's a very old uh, script. What I had here of Rabin it's like there are some letters that are. Um, um, where is it? Okay. If you have questions that something doesn't make sense, come up to me. I think chet and hey are not. Yeah, in the Hebrew.
3: The Greeks. I think what um,
0: um, I think what we'll, what we'll do have someone uh, read <laughs> we'll have someone read the Hebrew and next and someone read the English we'll do it line by line first I just want to read the whole first Torah together uh, where's Naomi can uh, can you read the you'll read the Hebrew and someone next to you will read the English as a, just line line okay um, okay Okay. Um, in all things
3: that exist in this world, there
0: is an I what is that it's like <laughs> Can I just say it's a Pasuk Hadashim can okay. two okay. mm. okay, and even in okay, the
3: water, there's an aspect of tea. Shaking of Maya, go Haya, shark,
0: not it was soil and not drinkable. were just is the <laughs> R- the
3: Meaning that the
0: Sinachina, the and falls on all of the angels, and on all the Anal means uh, the same as I've said before. Even in the letters, there is the prhinat aspect of sleep. And
2: even the
0: okay. Okay. Uh-huh. This story actually continues very much related to uh, this learning, but uh, I didn't translate it because we're, we won't deal with it. Excellent. It's like a dance. to read a Hebrew and English together. <laughs> so, so, what is he saying here? What, what, is, he, what is this all about? Yeah. Just your name again. I'm Sarah. Sarah.
2: Well, in our overview, we uh, talked about the two states in Kaddu: uh, Katnud and Gadlut. Uh-huh. And, uh, just ex- just say in
0: English: Katnut and Gadlut. Oh, smallness
2: and uh, bigness. Um, Expansiveness, and bigness. Yeah, and so uh, the idea is that Katnud is, uh, is refers to the a state of consciousness where you feel, uh, small, and, uh, I guess your, your consciousness has departed from you, so you're just, you're really in a very dark place, and God-Lude is, uh, the opposite, where you sort of feel, like, on top of the world, and you're super connected with God and in a spiritually very high place, and, um, yeah, and so, um, we, we sort of, we talked about, um, Relationship moving from between those states, and um, how here the Mm -hmm. argument seems to be that uh, the continuity is 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 necessary. It is in fact it is because of the (coughs) uh, the continuity that you are able to get into Gaza.
0: Yes, odd odd what thoughts about this teaching Can just your name Adina, Adina. Um, that
3: there's this idea of transformation occurring from darkness to light from day to night from the aspect of the cycle that it accepted and then it refers to Rosh Hashanah and the fact that over the course you're, you're departing from this level of spirituality and connection to God and that's what you're being judged on it's like that that kind of comes over you in this huh darkness that you're in, as it refers to the cycle that we discussed earlier. Um, But our group kind of got stuck on the sentence about the OTO and the letters, because it kind of didn't really seem like a cycle, as the other ones did. Why? Because the other ones were specifically referring to this idea of sleep, and waking up in the morning and kind of having this change happen. And the OTO are just like, oh, and the OTO are small, and they kind of can be big. So the way we understood it was that the letters and the Torah are something that are so physical and it's nothing but because of what it is, because of the fact that it is Torah, it is therefore spiritual and we raise it into something more. And then we referred back to the idea of the water. Lighting a candle in the middle of the night when normally we wouldn't do that—it's the opposite of what we do—and um, it's this, just this transformation from darkness to light and from um, bad to good—and then just referring to the um, discussion of the two like nefesh and nefesh the gauzy soul and the animalistic soul—and that every person is a part of God. Like
0: I have to say, you uh, it's very sweet what you're saying. I have to say that um, you're uh, um, making softer his point. It's, I agree with everything that you're saying. He's saying something more radical than what you're saying. I mean, he's saying something actually really radical here, and you were taking it in and like softening the edges. I understand why, because it's, a, it's not so simple what he's saying here, but uh, it's beautiful what you say. I mean, it's, it is what he says, what you're saying but I but I want to exact I want to read it closer and actually try and understand what there's a very radical element to what he's saying here something very not typical for a darshan of Torah Ken, just remind me your you name were, Judy
3: Judy right but what
1: well, but what troubled us was we found the most uh, we couldn't get it a hold of. I think there we have, uh, I mean, I, I feel that when it says that your consciousness departs, and then that, and then it follows with the judgment of Rosh Hashanah, that in a way, the only way you can start anew is by forgiving. Where do you
0: see that? I don't see it. Oh, I okay. Okay.
1: And God is not judging you
0: for all the nonsense necessarily. I would interpret this as meaning that God will forget too. And enable you <laughs> to move on to the next You're doing a, a very interesting brush. <laughs> 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 it, it has to do with it, but it's not directly this.
3: Yeah.
0: It's, first of all, I have to say that it's definitely someone who speaks from experience. I think like a 16-year-old will not say what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And that's very beautiful. No, you're, you have yeah. what to teach us from life. I mean, you know, we, the idea about memory and uh, letting go. Um, it's very beautiful what you're saying. It's not exactly what he's saying, but um, we'll touch a, a part of it. I just want to do one correction. Yeah. I, th- I see that this is, um, this uh, repeats itself. When he writes about P'china he's not uh, saying directly, I'm judging you. P'chinat is a technical term, just like there's p'chinat chesed, there's p'chinat din. When he's saying p'chinat din, he doesn't mean this is all in the aspect of me judging you. There's an aspect in the world, again, this is Kabbalistic language, called p'chinat din, aspect of judgment. It doesn't mean I am judging you. Judgment here is a very stark uh, examination of uh, truth in this regard. Things as they are. No uh, softening the edges, no cutting corners, this is what it is. It's not about the actual, uh, I don't want you to read this under a cloud of uh, being judged. This is not at all what he's saying here, I think. Can okay. uh, Rachel? Can. Okay.
2: There's a small way of, of doing Torah and a and a big way, and actually we, we we see sort of the light of the bigness of Torah when we recognize we have the judgment but the way we have been seeing it is too small, that the, that actually
0: again you're being judgmental towards uh towards the the human
2: towards the human, but also may, maybe even the text in terms right. of a literal versus a midrash or so or.
0: No, Manian, that you're taking it in that direction. Manian, I want to hear your reactions uh, to our learning, what what you will, uh, it's interesting what you're saying. i this is the...
2: At the same time as when we step back from this text, we would like to think that those things are complete in themselves and don't require human intervention because they are sort of the primal creations.
0: <laughs> of that. you're uh, you're you're going towards the direction of what I was calling radicalism of Repirasi. Uh, we're gonna develop that. Uh, and reminding your name, Andrew. <laughs> so, so yeah I want to. I want to start reading with this and I want to hear more. As we're, uh, did you want to just say, well, um, we were, It touches on a bunch
1: of things other people were saying, but we viewed it differently. We really focused on the first sentence and the
3: aspect to sleep, that sort of pervades everything. Right. And then
0: in the possibility of what yeah. it can be. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah and then yeah. we'll okay. we
1: were talking about actually just to elaborate a little more Joseph's dreams that even in the state of sleep there is this kernel of consciousness and activity just so during this time of year when it is winter and cold and it's Dark. opposite darkness, the little seed in the ground is, you know, starting to do its mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. in Germany. Right. and that Rosh Hashanah was also an allusion to that all of creation spins on this cycle, Yesheh. which is kind of uh, meld, meld into each
0: other. Yes, We're going to actually, hopefully, if we have time, we'll talk about Yosef. Yosef is very much connected to Chanukah. Uh Tomorrow, I want to say next week, but it's tomorrow. Is it <laughs> it's nice. Um, everything will, will come together. I want to I wanna first give a, a, a wider uh, picture of what, what he's saying, what I think he's saying here. Repinchas is teaching here, I think, something very, very beautiful. I think this is an extraordinary teaching, mamash, beautiful. He doesn't do here, if you'll notice, he doesn't do here um, an idealization of the state of sleep, of the aspect of sleep. He just recognizes its existence This is the first thing I want to say. He recognizes its existence and by recognizing it, he actually acknowledges its necessity. But he's not idealizing it. He's not saying, yay, sleep. I can't wait to be in a state of deadness, kind of internal, no life force in me. No, but there is such a thing as sleep that exists in the world, right? If uh, he's actually saying, hinting, that if there was no aspect of sleep, and every single element in the world, we would not have been able to even talk about the concept of being awake. Again, we would have no uh, possibility, no ability to feel awake, awakeness, if you can say that. Awakeness? You can say that in English. Or more exactly, we would not have been able, we would not have been able to begin anything anew again in any area. It would just not exist in our world. The, the, the ta'am, the taste of everything will become spoiled. If there's no state of sleep in the world, okay? the chayut, the life force, the vitality, the connectedness of every day is actually experienced or is allowed. It can, it's happened. It can happen just because there was a form of sleep in the world, a form of uh, death. Death is something that we actually we talked about here <laughs> over the years in different courses. Death is not the dramatic uh, graveyard death. Again, okay? we're talking about an internal state of being where you, when. You, where you're not connected to your potential, where you're not connected to your, the possibility in you. And we, we've talked about this a lot uh, in the past. Um, this is actually the samich, And this is the eternal, endless, uh, cyclical motion that we talked about before of sleep, awake, sleep, awake, light, dark, light, uh, dark. To be the letter samich for each other, like we said before, is actually to acknowledge the fact that we have states of sleep in us that it's part of our reality, again, uh, sleep and awake. Our, our life exists on this cyclical movement. Even in the water, there is an aspect of sleep or else it would have a dead taste. This is such a beautiful <laughs> image, such a beautiful image. Like people said here, and they're learning, what is water in our tradition? <inaudible> Torah, name is Torah. And even in the Torah, there is an aspect of sleep. That's what I was uh, uh, hinting here—that there's actually a radical element and what Rabinchas is saying here. And notice, this is not b'diavad. This is not—I um, don't know how you say b'diavad in English. Uh, Wendy, how do you say bi-avad Ma? <laughs> <I didn't laughs> After a? Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's not saying that milchatchila <laughs> uh, from the beginning. How do you say milchatchila? <laughs> what? I can't hear. Or the reality as is, it's, it's built into the system, that there is movement. The fact that there is movement means that there's going to be darkness in that too. Because movement is all about motion, it's about change, it's about going from one place to the other. He's not saying like we will learn later, I think uh, uh, Thursday or maybe the end of uh, tomorrow's learning, that if a person is asleep, then the world around him seems to be sleeping too, which is a known fact. I mean, in psychology, this is talked about a lot, right? The whole idea of positive psychology. You see good, you look for good, you see good, right? Uh, Like, if I have an aspect of sleep in me, then everything seems duller to me. seems dull, it's not awake for me, right? That the world somehow reflects the state of being that you're in personally. He's not saying that. He's saying here something that's, I think, pretty radical. For the world to be alive, for the world to be alive uh, imminently, to, be, to have good taste to it, tam tov, for it to taste good, not in relation to me, like I said before, in, as a reflection of me, but in relation to itself, it has to have in it an aspect of sleep. This is a very unusual, uh, it's a very unusual statement that the is saying here. Why is it so important to acknowledge that the Torah itself has an aspect of sleep to it? To experience it as chadashim lifkarim. Chadashim lifkarim rabai munatecha. Let me see how we translated this uh, from the Pasuk. And even chadashim um, lifkarim. We didn't translate it? Wendy. <laughs> I see It's not here. Ah, okay, בסדר, Uh The truth is that I, I think he's actually doing, he's saying a real chidush here about this pasuk, chadashim lifkarim, rabai munatecha, not that I am um, awakened from my state of sleep, my state of uh, internal deadness in the morning and my uh, belief in you is renewed, but that I am being exposed to the morning in you, in the kadosh baruchu, chadashim lifkarim." I am being exposed to the fact that you cho- chose, that you choose to light, that you choose to, to allow me to see you lit, okay? that you go to the morning. You could have chosen not to go to the morning. We'll, we'll, we'll read a Torah later on that actually says that. God could have made a choice to uh, destroy the world, to not be in connection with us, right? To bring on forces of, uh, of darkness into the world. The Kadosh who chooses to shine. He chooses to allow shining exist in the world. This is a testimony to your belief in us. Your emunah is great. Your emunah in me is great. You allow me to go through an experience of being lit, of being connected to life force, because you yourself go through it. It's a choice that you do, that you make. It's a ha It's a choice that you make. I want to just say, I, I actually, I think we learned this... One year, I don't remember when. That um, I, I remember also learning from uh, Shlomo, from Rav um relating to the pasuk, "Tov uh, To say in the morning, uh, your chasadim, your grace, your goodness, your bountiness, uh, So I remember learning from Shlomo that. he that really, the way people usually understand this is um, um, that in the morning, when things are lit and it's much easier, right? It's very easy to say your chasadim, the mercy in you, because I'm in a state of mourning. Things are shining for me, right? In the laila, when it's dark and it's more difficult, I have to say, I say how much I believe in you because that gives me strength. That's the classical understanding of this pasuk. Uh, Shlomo understood it, hafuch, opposite. It's actually based on teachings of the Pshischa Rebbe. It's very, very beautiful. I think he, he always read it differently. And every time we sing it, or in Bet or at home, I always tell myself this uh, teaching. In the morning, when it's morning and things are lit and it's easier, obviously it's easier for me to say your chasadim, the bounty that you give to me, that you give to the world. When it's dark, when things are more difficult, emunatcha your belief in me. I believe in your belief in me. ba Actually, uh, grammatically in Hebrew, it makes more sense. Emunatcha banu. Emunatcha banu. Your belief in us is what we remember in the leilot. Rabinchas is referring to the same teaching. Again, God had a choice not to be a believer in us, but He makes a conscious choice to choose light. To choose life, kay? God too, he could have chosen not to this is something we thank him for can if he didn 't choose that, then it just would have been the static uh, the static uh, state of being, and there wouldn 't have been no consciousness, no choice involved in here. can the kadovo in that sense also has a samich he 's also in motion, God kay? I would say that in a certain sense, this statement that Rapirkha is making is is, is um I really don't know how you say this word in English, Khatrani. Does anyone know the Torah uh, It goes under the skin like um, sub, there's, sub what? Yeah, I think that's the word. I remember something with that. It, 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 um, because you would think, like on Peshach level, you would say, what, there's an aspect of sleep in the Torah? <gasps> Impossible. Like, how could there be an aspect of sleep in the Torah? That the Torah does not shine. right? It's all about me. Rapichas is saying something else. He says, wait a second, there's a lot to gain by saying that the Torah also has an aspect of sleep in it. I, I, I want to just say, I want to take, like, do a zoom out and try and understand this in, in, in like a Hasidic uh, way of reading as I understand it. This is actually, it's such a deep statement. I think it has so much wisdom in it. What, what is he saying? There is sleep in the world. The aspect of sleep exists in the world. It doesn't matter how much we'll philosophize, you know, have conferences about it. Yes, no, yes, no. It exists. Sleep is, is, is part of uh, the motion of, of the samich. It's part of being alive. There's choshech and there's all. There's shana and there's erut. There's, there's sleep and there's awake. There's dark and there's light. It's just the way it is. The question, and obviously there are times that we have to recognize that we ourselves are asleep. Kay? That we're not awake. That we're not connected to the life force in us. That we're not connected to to life, right? The question now is, what do we do with this? What do we do now? That's, that's the question. How do we take this reality, which we acknowledge that exists, okay, and, and, and take this factual statement to a positive motion, to positive movement? I just want to say, and we, we've talked about this for years here in all the courses that we've done, one of the things that is so unique, about I think, about the Hasidic approach is that, the first most obvious thing is honesty. It sounds so simple. Obviously, honestly, honesty. But it's not so simple. I, 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 and I'm not saying this now in a judgmental way. I'm just saying in a factual way. A lot of our disciplines in the world of study of Torah don't necessarily put uh, honesty uh, on the top uh, as a top priority. It's what needs to be done. It's what you have to do. It's what it means to be an Eved Hashem, a servant of God. Existential honesty is not necessarily uh, on the top of the list there. I'm just saying that it's it's the way actually a lot of us uh, who grew up in Orthodox uh, institutions were brought up. That was like the way, that was the way, right? Hasidut doesn't allow that. There's always two elements that are very, very, um, that are very strongly put in the front of the stage. One is honesty and the other is truth. Now, honesty and truth don't always necessarily go together easily. But that's where th- that's the arena of Hasidut. That's where everything happens because there's dissonance that comes up a lot when you deal with honesty and chassidut, right? with honesty and truth because there's what you believe in or what you choose to believe in and there's how you feel about what you believe or what you choose to believe in and this is where this is where the teachings uh, are born. They are so honest. <laughs> We're going to read more Torah that, uh, that uh, bring that out. That's like, you don't even talk about, that's just the that's the immediate uh, voice. First, let's just be honest. There is an aspect of sleep in the world. Kay? So what is he saying here? So, uh, so I'm saying this is such a Hasidic uh, approach in, my, in the way I view it. You know, we talked earlier about the idea of blurring lines right, between me and anything I read about, geographical places, nations, kingdoms. He's doing here exactly the same movement. He's blurring the lines, like we said before, but hafuch, opposite than the usual way of understanding it. What is he saying? He's saying, uh, I, man, person, whether it's in the 18th century like the Pinchas or 2014, I experience sleep on an existential level, right? That's a fact. I move between these motions of life, death, uh, awake, sleep. The samich. Let me see if I can locate a reflection of it in the world around me. Maybe there are other... um, Re, uh, appearances of this motion in the world around me. Okay? In nature, in physics, right in the, in the ecological system, in the godly system. Okay? We're going to see uh, uh, tomorrow the same type of um, way of thinking applied by the Netivot Shalom, by the Rebbe of Slonim in a different teaching. Same idea. There's something that I am acknowledging that I experience. Let me see if I can find... Uh, echoes in reality around me that echo that thing that I am experiencing and this is very very much uh, Hasidut. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> it's really beautiful. I want to um, I want to move on to Reb Nachman and then uh, if there are more questions, I'm, th- I'm sure there are we'll uh, open and I just want to go over the torah the, the dreidel. Actually, I asked Wendy yesterday if we could uh, have a whole set of dreidels here. I wanted to do a little Experiment? So we found two, but maybe tomorrow... Well, uh, tomorrow I don't know if it will be... Uh, we'll see if we will still uh, have the same taste. But I actually wanted to give each chavruta a dreidel and uh, experiment a little bit, play with the dreidel uh, after reading the Torah of Reb Nachman. Um, the Reb Nachman Torah is a beautiful Torah, much lighter than the Reb teaching, but uh, I want to say there's a lot of um, uh, humor a lot of um, amusement, in the deep sense of amusement, in Reb Nachman's teachings, very much so in this Torah also, the Torah of the Dreidel. He has many Torah on the Dreidel. I want to... Um, can we do again the English-Hebrew? Do you mind? So let, let's read it together. Uh, number five. And number nine... Uh, what is it? You have it? Yeah. Yeah, please. Um who's the the whole
3: there's the we think
0: chocolate what uh, thoughts did you have about this teaching very very sweet and actually very deep I think everyone got to it nachon everyone ken uh,
3: michael
0: uh, is that Michlei? (laughs) kohelet Okay, Nah. It doesn't matter why can I have a chat? How hard it is to to be. It's so nice to say it like as a Musar talk, but how hard it is to actually when you're focused on what what's uh, present in front of you, to focus on all the other aspects. It's not so easy. That's that's why you need humor here, the amusement, the game aspect. down More Andrew.
3: <laughs>
0: right. That's, by the way, very typical of Reb Nachman. It's really a, a teaching about ego. It's very. Uh, we're we're going to talk about that soon. I Ken, Judy.
1: They
0: don't want to see it because if the world just me I'm going to get dizzy. Don't we get dizzy? Yes. Not everybody wants to Absolutely. No, this is not. Uh, I want uh, uh, to just uh, to go deeper into it. This is not. Reb Nachman doesn't want to celebrate. Yay! I'm getting dizzy. It's not a yay kind of celebration. It's a recognition of reality. Yeah. So again, now that we recognize that reality is, that, I, that there is motion and I, I'm not going to be staying the way I am, you know, tomorrow is a new day, who knows what it's going to hold for me. Let's think of tomorrow, not as a threatening, frightening uh, element of darkness that, I, that totally freezes my ability to move because of the threat of, of movement, of change. But let me try and take on, internalize a different approach towards tomorrow. It's actually a very, very deep understanding in Hasidut that it comes up a lot in many, many, many teachings, Shania. Um, I think part of the reason why Rab Nachman uses a humorous um, tone here, the amusement, it's really, he's talking about a game. I mean, you take a sevivon, you know, you play with the kids, you play yourself, you, oh, noon, ah gimel. But there's actually, this is like the existential story of our lives, this dreidel. Uh, it's actually it's a very deep thing. Amusing and deep do not contradict each other. Actually, in Hasidut, the deepest things are usually related to humor. Humor is like the biggest secret. We're going to talk about that also. Because Chanukah is all about secret. Toshavante is the secret. The darkness is the place of secrets where you pass on secrets in the dark, not in the light. Um, the dreidel is like an amusing aspect of that, but it actually it's a very deep thing. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, I think, on Thursday. But what I wanted to say is that, um, ah, I wanted to say that I think of Nachman is a very good teacher in this uh, regard, because we, I think, pr- particularly more than other people, other people, did you say that? We, Yehudim, Jews, we have a fear of tomorrow. I mean, the unknown usually causes fear. Maybe there are cultures where the unknown is a celebration of possibility. Wow, what can happen tomorrow? Mm. You know, it's such an open field. In, in our culture, I think that tomorrow, meaning the unknown, what I don't know about is usually has a cringing effect. <coughs> 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 I think it's a very deep uh, um, thing that Reb is is attaching himself <coughs> here to, that we, because in our history and this of course went into our psyche because uh, you know anything can happen our world can collapse you know there could be a pogrom tomorrow God forbid v'chule v'chule, right? definitely in the world that he lived in uh, that all basically almost all the rabbis lived in uh, all you want to do is just freeze the moment if the moment is good let's just freeze it and stay as is control in other words that's really something that we all want I mean control is not just something related to control freaks we all want control that's the most basic element of life, I think, wanting to have a sense of uh, of control. <laughs> it's so Hasidu deals with this all the time. So I just want to say that um, I think Reb Nachman is trying to undermine that natural impulse that we have, which is the fear of the unknown. Where will the dreidel fall? Right? Where will I find myself? And to say, well, maybe there's a different way. If I look and like, wow, well, there are possibilities that I'm not aware of. Things, good things might happen tomorrow that cannot happen today. Maybe not, but maybe yes. And we've talked about Yershnia a lot over, the, over different courses that we had, that the, the world of Hasidut, at least that I always bring here, which is mostly Pshischa, Ishbit, Kotz, Karadzin, is a world of Hasidut that does not deal with results, but with movement. It's not about the end result, it's about the actual movement. So the end result, We don't know what it will be because we don't have control. Maybe it will be, in Hebrew we say, terrible. Maybe it won't work. But maybe it will. And uh, maybe it will means that I am putting my dreidel energy into the actual movement. It doesn't mean that the result is not important. We live in a world of results. right? And definitely the modern world that we live in is all result-oriented. But Hasidut always... Goes again, really goes against that and says, yes, result is important, but this is not the conversation that we're interested in having. If result will be good, Mitsuyan, great. But our story is not the result. Our story is the movement. That's, that's the place where we are in touch with our life force. That's where we know that we're alive. That we have the prinav Erut in us. Kay? In the movement. So the dreidel is all about this movement. It's all about, and I just want to say before the comments, uh, we'll end with people's comments. I just want to say, what is the root of the word sevivon? Saviv. Saviv. And what's the letter of the word sevivon? <laughs> samech. Sevivon is the samech, can? Okay? Sevivon. Seviv, sivuv, circle, turning, Ken. Okay? It's the letter samech, Can okay? I, I have to say that I was reading, before I came uh, from Yerushalayim, I was reading a teaching of the Pshischa Rebbe about the sevivon and he had a whole drash that he did there on the letters that you have here Nes sham a big miracle was there you know in Israel we, we, we have on our sevivon Nes and he wrote this whole teaching he did this whole thing on gimatria, and he wrote that Nes sham is Gematria Mashiach is the numerical value of Mashiach we'll talk a lot about Mashiach because Chanukah of Mashiach the idea of possibility which is Mashiach uh, and uh, when I read that, like my whole Zionist being cringed, <laughs> you know, like, what does it mean? It's <laughs> equals You know, we got to change that. Uh, we got to do a little fixing in the Eretz But there's actually a lot written about the dreidel and about the uh, different um, letters. The nun, the gimel, the he, the sheen, the te, uh, that appears in the dreidel. I think it's a very... It's a very sweet Torah, it's a very deep Torah, the Torah of the dreidel. Just a few comments, and then we have to finish. And I just want to say, I was hoping today to also learn um, the next step. We'll start tomorrow immediately with uh, a few words of introduction, and then Chivruta. I just want to explain where we're going. I want to take us back for a second. You know, let me just finish this, and then I'll open it up for questions. Um, let me just sum up this thing. Today, we basically uh, opened with halakha, and we went into the aspect of the fixing of sleep. Tomorrow, we're, we're, towards the end of tomorrow, we're entering the fixing of of sight, of naim. Uh, but what we're doing, and I'm going back to the beginning, if you remember, we're collecting characteristics of what is home. For the sake of halachas still, because we're going to connect it all at the end, right? We, we started with two uh, characterizations, two ifunim, two things that make a home. If you remember, one is a place you pay for. One is the place you sleep in. And we're expanding on the Inyan of sleep because it connects very much to sight and that's the fixing of uh, Kislev, of Hanukkah. How to see our reality different, right? Sleep and eyesight is very much the same idea. Why? Because sleep, I think we already understand this. Sleep, as we understand, is not necessarily having shut, uh, shut eyes, you know, like snoring in bed. That's not what we're talking about. It's really having open eyes, but a little bit deadened. Uh, The fixing of the sleep happens in parallel motion to the fixing of the eyes, how to look differently. So, this will all uh, connect together. So, I want to say we could talk three days only about sleep. There's so much in Hasidut about sleep, about prophecy, about dreams. Um, I want to end with a quote from. A modern uh, Hebrew book in the, is in Hebrew literature. Uh, it doesn't need Rashi, so you could just read it and you don't need to explain it. Just to sum up the idea. You don't have it here, actually. I'll read it to you. My, um, uh, this is a, a, a writer in Israel called Rut al Mog. I'm just going to read to sum up this thing of sleep. I'll read and translate. I thought about it that I never saw you during, while sleeping. Adam yashen ma'bechlitah. A sleeping person loses control. Adam yashen uchasaronim. A sleeping person is helpless. Ait pirotzali rotochapa am kacha. I would have liked to have seen you once this way. Chasaronim, helpless, chalash, vulnerable, slicha, a weak, pagia, vulnerable. Matzaf she beololam loyta rotseshere uchabonachon. A situation you would not have wanted me to see you in, right? This is from a, a book called *Bavah Natalia*. It's an exchange of letters between a, a man and a woman. I just, I just want to take us back to our original, uh, to the ideas that we understood from *Halacha*, from *Kitzur Shulchan Aruch*, what it means to be asleep. Uh, who you, who you really are, can come out, right? Your true colors can come out. Your shining light and your dark parts in you can come out. You can really be, um, you can really be yourself. Um, So we're at this point, what we know so far clearly is that Bait, home, is not just a geographical definition, definitely not just an architectural description, but it's a mental place that has real nigiya that really touches on who we are, on who we are. So tomorrow, we're (coughs) gonna start with gathering more aspects, more characterizations of what home is. Uh, This is still only the introduction. And uh, so, if if uh, if people are okay, just for a few questions, I know people wanted to ask. And uh, anyone, or you could yes yes, you yeah, just remind me your asking name.
2: Karen. Okay. Oh,
3: beautiful,
0: beautiful, so really you know, Maxim, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, you're you're. Uh, it's a good introduction to tomorrow because tomorrow, the beginning of tomorrow, we're going to continue with this idea of home, and after that, we're going to start talking about Chanukah, mamash, and see how home and Chanukah really uh, fit together uh, beautifully. How it's all one, really. So, that We'll talk about the menorah a lot. Yofi, tada, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if you want to keep your, if you don't, if you if you think you might forget to bring your source sheets for tomorrow, you can give it back to us, and uh, we'll give it tomorrow again. Where's the envelope? Who has the envelope?
3: Um, if anyone is interested, tomorrow morning at 7.45, we're hoping to pull together um, a musical to you vote here. Um, we wanted to invite men into our musical space, but we need a million of men in order to make that happen, uh, which is not looking so like right now. So either it will just be women to do and it will be lovely, We did it a week ago, and it was totally fantastic. Um, but if you are a man, or you know <laughs> that, and you want to make the partnership between thing happen, um, you should come talk to me. Um, and otherwise um there will be two in there regardless and